0: And welcome to Hunter Gatherers, the official podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories, coming to you from the glorious historic Magazine Street in New Orleans. I'm Christopher Tidmore, and off the Atlantic coast of Maine, uh, looking out on a starry night, is our host, Curtis Robinson. Curtis, what's going on in your neck of the world
1: well, it's cold, Christopher. It's uh, we're recording this in January, and uh, the co- even the coast of Maine is cold tonight. How how are things in in the Big Easy?
0: It is a balmy thirty five degrees, which by New Orleans standards is rather rather cold. It, it what what people what people don't realize is it's going to be below freezing tonight. Is New Orleans actually gets below freezing for a couple of weeks a year because we're basically an island and we're surrounded by water on four uh, on all four sides, and it's. Well, it was, it was an opportunity in a few times that Hunter was here the two, to find a pretty good bar downtown and make sure he could drink <laughs> the cold away, which he did quite well.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That's true. You know, as I have mentioned before, the last time uh, I saw Hunter, I always say this. I was last time I saw Hunter alive, which, you know, someone would say, well, tell us more about seeing him when he's dead. But uh, the last time I saw Hunter was in New Orleans, of course. And, and we drank, we, we did uh, find a few bars.
0: And I can honestly say to try to uplift us in, in this cold day, we have a special guest who might be in a place a little warmer than we.
1: Yeah, let's not even ask him. Uh, <laughs> today, today's guest, I'm going to ask him to to help me pronounce his last name, is <laughs> uh, universally known as Trey. And uh, it's not like he's not coached me on this before, but Trey, is it Luck? Turpeluck,
2: Trey Turpeluck.
1: Trey Turpeluck. Trey is... Founder and president of Yo! Productions in Los Angeles. And I got to know Trey in the Hunter Thompson perspective because he is a co-producer on Fear and Loathing in Aspen. Newcomers, we have several postings about Fear and Loathing in Aspen.
0: It is the
1: movie about Hunter's run for sheriff of Pitkin County that sort of, uh, if you want to know about Hunter and politics, it's a great way to do it. I love the film. I, I can't tell you. I mean, if you're a fan, go do it. And Trey, uh, welcome. Together is where we uh, we sit around and tell Hunter Thompson stories.
2: Well, thank you for the kind words, and I'm definitely in the right spot. You know, it's funny. It's, it's really great that we have met, um, how we met through the film, because I actually got a couple of emails this morning. It's just crazy thinking how far this thing has come. I got a couple of emails this morning that were actually – the number four film on stars right now. And it's just going back. I,
1: I don't know if I thought that that would have happened, honestly. <laughs> so tell me, I tell this story all the time, and I, it's not the only story that I tell uh, that, that I kind of wonder if it's true. But at one point, this podcast was going to be part of the premiere of this film, in Austin, South by Southwest, we had the big theater. And people who go to South, I know what I'm talking about. We had the big theater downtown Thursday night. We were rock and roll and COVID. Now, how much of that is true, Trey?
2: <laughs> I think I think you're I think you're spot on. I mean, I remember when we got into South by Southwest, couldn't have been more static. And then being on on the phone with the folks over there and exchanging emails to get everything queued up with press, PR, production, people involved with the film, you know, just doing all that kind of logistical, logistical things. And then, you know, the world gets hit with COVID and South by Southwest effectively shuts down and just does uh, the virtual market, which we didn't participate in. But I can tell you, like, <laughs> that was... So excited for all the things going down at South by besides besides the film, the music. There's a lot of stuff like I wanted to see in the film space, but also just to just kind of have a glass of whiskey and celebrate with everyone in unison, you know, and have a, have a cheers for cheers would have been really great. But, you know, we got to so, do it in L.A.,
1: which was which was just as fun. I'm not going to lie. I do not think that was just as fun. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, i don't totally i don't i don't that. think so i don't i don't think so because they hit us with the mask mandate three days before and well we'll leave it at that i will say uh tell us your hunter story how how does a guy i mean you're i and forgive me if i'm wrong but i i would put you mid-20s which in my case by the way goes to 29 yeah so, so i'd say uh, so so how did how did how did you end up and I should say for for listeners, I, I came to the movie after production. I was not part of it in, uh, in any way, but that's sort of how I got the link into Rhino Films. So, tell me how how did you come to be uh, a co producer of Fear and, and *Aspen*? So, how I came to the move, how I came to *Hunter*, started
2: in college, like for most people, when I started to really take a turn into literature, and *Hunter* was. Pretty foundational and important, you know, gate, gateway um, to the to that old world where, you know, he kind of unleashed a a writing style that I wasn't I wasn't privy to, and I didn't know what you know that savage that savage, ruthless journalism. I didn't know that was out there, and that just kind of tricked me and got me turning pages for the first time, like I never had been before, like it, like a lot of people have. So in that regards my story isn't too different from, from a lot of people. Um, I do like, I do, I did really the lore and Hunter for me beyond the writing really like found itself in that archetype of the outlaw. Like I really, I found myself, I find myself being attracted to the Lou Reed's and the Hunter S Thompson's of the world. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just kind of, that's just kind of what I gravitate towards. And I figure there, why, why fight it? Um, so that's just kind of the baseline for how I got into how I got into Hunter, and I found him at a particular time in my life where I was going through a battle with epilepsy. So, and I was really finding my way through authors and writing, and getting into stuff like Lou Reed's poetry, reading a lot of Anthony Kiedis lyrics from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and his book got me through my his book Scar Tissue got me through my uh, late father's death when I was 15. So writing music, film, like that's storytelling. That's always kind of been my, been my thing, even though I grew up in politics, you know, as life happens, you know, nature versus nurture nature kind of brought me towards this world of film and storytelling. And that's where, you know, I, uh, was working at IMAX out here in Los Angeles and got offered a job that, you know, if you told young Trey, like, <laughs> that this, this is what was on the, these are the cards on the table would have been pretty pumped and just told them to keep chilling, doing your, do your thing. This is going to come around. But, uh, it, I was in a situation where it was a stop, not a stay for me. And honestly, uh, I decided that I was, um, it going into my fifth year at university of Arizona and just. Out, being out here in LA for some months, I was just felt no need to come back. Uh, come back to college, so I moved back. I went back to Tucson, back to U of A, just to get some of my stuff, and then come back to Los Angeles. And while I was in LA, I actually got a call from my buddy that taught me how to play guitar. And you know, the phone rings from a friend I haven't talked to, and sometimes you only, you always pick up because those are weirdly some of the most important calls.
1: Oh yeah, and- yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Right. absolutely you always, you always take that call it's either very yeah. good or very bad but it's not boring yeah yeah it
2: was very it, but it was one of the best calls of my, of my life i'm not gonna lie and it's the deduction of it was was my buddy nor buckley um connor buckley from dc and he's out here in la doing music um he just goes I'm on set of a Hunter S. Thompson movie. You're the guy that taught me how Hunter S. Thompson, you got, you got to get here. And I just go, where are you? (laughs) Just tell me I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow. (laughs) Whatever is happening. Like just try and finesse me like a PA gig. I'll do anything. I'll get coffee. I'll do anything at all. He's like, yeah, just get, just get over here. We'll, We'll work it out next day. So next day I fly from Tucson to Denver, never been to Colorado before I fly from Tucson to Denver, Denver to Durango. And then, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, Tucson to Denver, Denver to Durango. Then Durango took a two hour drive to Silverton, Colorado, which is kind of in the Southwest corner, kind of close to where um, all the the Southwest regional states meet up. Um, Absolutely gorgeous town and um, kind of in like a 1970s funk because, to my understanding, the town got some. I don't know if they got some money from the state or the town made a decision to uh, have it be a place where films are encouraged to shoot period pieces there. So it fit perfectly for what we were trying to do beyond just being a Colorado location. Um,
1: That's a great it's a great stand in. I mean, uh, uh, that whole part of the the mountains is uh, is amazing. Uh, uh, You know, Hunter was an Ayn Rand fan. Christopher, am I pronouncing Iron yep. Rand correctly?
0: Ayn Rand, yeah. It, 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 you, you almost had to alliterate it, but yes, very much so.
1: Yeah, 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 So, 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 uh, people don't realize this, but Uray, uh, which is right across the mountains. It's, I guess, it's 20 miles from there, is, uh, Galt Gulch. That's what she based Galt Gulch on. She used to stay there, and that's what Galt Gulch is. So, that, that whole area is, uh, is really, uh, interesting and a uh, very, very creative. So, so, so you go there, Silverton's, Silverton's a great place, man. It is the last, it's one of the last, the great mountain town. So you go there, you, the, 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 so you go there with your friend to like, you know, I'll go get coffee, but then you end up a co-producer. Yeah. So I went, I went totally solo and I kind of just show up.
2: I just show up onto, onto the set, to the address that he gave me. I booked a hotel, like on one of the, There's only like, one or two hotels uh, to stay at. And I got one, I got one of the rooms there. Um, And I met up with my, met up with my buddy, nor who introduced me to Bobby. And, you know, I didn't realize that there was such a DC a Washington, DC contingency, where my, my hometown, um, uh, such a contingency from there, a part of this film, Bobby, Max Loeb, like, like uh, just the beyond the Kennedy the Kennedy uh, thing thing in general, there were just a lot of DC folks there, and so I was going through a couple things. Like it was weird to just be get a phone call to come to a film that was about something that I had a personal connection with. That's just kind of you know the, the universe ta- talking to you, like more than pos- positively. And then I get there, and it's a whole bunch of people from uh, from my hometown. Um, and Bobby was just like, ah, oh, just, you know, don't just PA help out as you want, but just stand in as an extra and maybe we can work you in and find a line for you. So I was just there just helping out as much as possible. Ended up doing a bunch of extra work and trying to, uh, you know, not, uh, not squander the opportunity. Cause I remember when I was on the flight out there, just th- like thinking how to approach this, um, and I think, like, Cur- Curtis, you'll agree with me that uh, most people, when you hear a Hunter S. Thompson movie is happening, like, you know, for the, uh, for lack of a better, very much lack of a better word, the purists out there, uh, the last thing you want to see is have uh, Hunter be cartoonified or over acidified or, all like, you know, just that. You don't want the wrong. You don't want to, you know, there are some things you don't want to go too far and he wanted to be, have the most authentic representation um, possible. And I was just, that was kind of my MO. I was gonna, whatever I do, you know, beyond just getting coffees, like I, like I anticipated and I very much did, um, I was just trying to be there to serve to serve Hunter the most and like kind of tell the truth and protect protect the film from some some of what the culture has brought to it, unfortunately.
0: Well, I have to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. I mean, I gotta, everybody does that. Yeah, well, I Go gotta ahead. say, it's, sure. it's a Sorry. bit. Your experience on the film is a bit like showing up at the Microsoft campus as an intern, and in about two weeks becoming the replacement for Steve Ballmer. I mean, it it, <laughs> it, it really is kind of it. It says something about your interpretive skill of Hunter and his legacy. Yeah, uh,
1: and, and we should say we should we should jump in here and say that Bobby, who we refer to as Bobby. Uh, is Robert Kennedy the third, the grandson of the uh, uh, Attorney General of the United States, and um, and actually, you know, a pretty a pretty good guy. <laughs> Bobby Bobby's Bobby's really
2: fantastic, and he did a great he did a great job with this film. I mean, he wrote and directed a, a, a successful a real a real feature film, and uh, what I think is going to be you know, uh, a, a, cult, a cult following, uh, a, a film with a cult following at its very, at its very least. It's He really deserves, he deserves all the props and I got to give him all the credit for the world for just giving me uh, an opportunity and beyond, you know, I was in the fortunate position where after the movie, because Bobby and guys like Max Loeb and Steven Nemeth, um, not only were willing to have a conversation with me and like while we we're on set, while we were, we all live in Los Angeles. So I was able to just kind of stay, stay in the loop and help, just continue to help out because my, my, my the whole thing after, after leaving, leaving the sex, I was only there for so long was just how, how I'll do, let me do all the stuff that no one wants to do. Like, let me just get, let me just get in I'll help with the social media that I know people probably don't understand. I know I'll help out with this. I'll help out with that. I'll be the guy that watches and takes no- takes notes on for every little break of this, every little break and uh, every little break and screenshot of the film. Like I just was on a page to help out because uh, I I not only did I need the opportunity, I was at the same time you know have my own ambitions of building the production company that I built out now. And this was just a really fantastic launching pad for everything, so I was trying to make uh you know to speak selfishly get get the most out of it
1: so so I'm curious uh when you were in college you you uh, and I love that you said that's when you 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 came to to know hunter uh, and you you're one of the people we have on that have hunter stories it's not like who who didn't meet hunter of course but but they have their own hunter stories so so what were the first books? What did you read first? So this
2: is where I'm a hop skip away from the norm. Because I feel like everyone answers that with fear and loathing in Vegas, you know? Um, or or Hell's Angels. But for me it was uh, the campaign trail.
1: So I had seen that would, would be that that would be campaign trail seventy two. Yeah, yeah. And, and which is fifty years old this year. Yeah,
2: yeah so that's why, like, one of the like going back to kind of the outlaw thing, and you know, set and kind of uh, with the style that we love Hunter for the, the the style of journalism and the style of writing. Um, but you know, just put your if you can put yourself in my shoes for a second, you're essentially twenty years old, and you're pulling out this book. And the opening of the book is talking about going around the beltway, the highway you drove, you grew up driving around your entire your entire life, going to high school, going to basketball practice, going to whatever it is, and then he's talking about not only he's not not only is it calling the country club that all your friends belong to, KK K Club he's breaking down <laughs> politics and like That's true. I was out. I was actually going to ask you
1: about that. He's calling yeah, he's you, calling
2: you, my he's calling yeah. my hometown the rate right cap, capital of the world. Like it was just like this completely different perspective because I grew up I grew up in deep I grew up in like pretty deep and pol- pretty deep politics. So I just, you know, you're kind of like all of us are grown like we are grown to, you know, we're grown in the uh, Mold of our parents, and then you know it's, we 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 grow out, and certain certain strengths, weaknesses unfold, and we grow. Yada yada yada. Life happens, you know. And thoughts change, pathos has changed, but um, it was just so crazy to hear, like you know, this vessel dropped in and giving this unreal take of my 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 place, and it just it completely had me hooked.
0: Fear and loathing on the campaign trail, seventy two, is my favorite book as well of all of all the Hunter canon, and. Curtis has often observed how that most people that have really started and and speak about Hunter to this day, not all the Hunter enthusiasts, but people in D.C. particularly, they don't think of Hunter as this guy who wrote this wonderful book about Las Vegas. They think of Hunter as this great political writer and this insightful political writer who happens to have written a book about Las Vegas, and it affects it. Yeah. How did that experience of you, you? For those that don't know, you grew up in a deeply political family. Your father was actually a, a U.S. ambassador in Europe and Luxembourg, and you grew up around high politics your entire life. So you're reading at this is 20, but you're not the average 20 year old. You're you're somebody from a political family, looking at and, and probably knows some of the players that Hunter's writing about in the book.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like so, some of the names weren't the first time that I, I that I had heard them for sure, and. You know, one of the best parts about DC. Um, look, looking back, you know, you're, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, big fan of re- reflection. Um, I'm always a preacher of that. Uh, DC, I was so fortunate to be around very educated people. Um, li- literature is important, but you know, I'm not gonna. There's a reason why I found Hunter later. That's there's a reason why I didn't find him until I was about 2021, 20, and that's because. I'm, I was that kid that never did a summer reading. I was that kid that the last thing I ever wanted to do was read a book. The only reason I got into reading books, I mean, into reading at all and started reading was when my father passed away of a heart attack when I was 15, all I would do is come home from school and, you know, just listen to me, kid, Cuddy and the chili peppers. And I ended up, I just kind of, Stare at the ceiling, listen to music all day, all night, and um, I really gravitated towards the writing of Anthony Kiedis. And so I ended up, you know, one day Googling him and finding out that he had this book scar tissue, and that's how I got. That's how I got into um, that vein. So that wasn't until I was like that wasn't until I was sixteen, and like kind of while I was reading that book and really that stimulated a lot of creative synapses that I didn't know I had in my brain really introduced like just a whole other, you know, perspective of life into brought brought a whole other perspective to life into um, my own being. Um, So bringing that forward back to where, sorry, to bring that home, I, I didn't find, I was that kid that never read. The last thing I ever wanted to do was read Macbeth or anything like that during an English class. Um, so that's why my uh, my passion for Hunter and my the lore that I that what that I have that I have for him that I had for him when I first found him it I, it, it is genuine. It's not um, I wasn't just trying to like the guy because of you know Johnny Depp being cool or funny in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It was purely a
1: it was a dis- pure human discovery on my end. Well let me let me make I, I immediately want to leave in here, make make two points. One is no kid has ever wanted to read McMath. Uh, <laughs> and, and and B, you know, it's uh it's one of the things that uh, when I first got to know Hunter, one of the things that that we would share probably just between us is uh and, and forgive this, but I mean I'll quote Hunter, the the Dead Daddy Club. Uh, you know, his father died when he was fourteen when he was fourteen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, were you aware of that? I mean, did you, did you see like, oh, well, here's, I, for the record? My not, body, I not, not it. till, not I was only till four. much later. Not, not till, not
2: till I think, uh, after the film or during like post-production, but yeah, not till later.
1: Well, that, 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 that's interesting. So it's, um, do you see parts of that now when you, when you read him? Do you, do you see things that you would see that, I mean, of, Hunter and I agree that, that Probably right around fifteen, sixteen is as bad as it gets. It's mm-hmm. the worst possible time. Uh, he used to tell me, "I got off easy My Dad died when I was four. I'm like, "Well, it didn't seem like that at the time, Hunter." <laughs> but <laughs> do, do do you see things that that spark that with you? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I I think um,
2: there is something. You know, I do have friends, and there is a little bit of a weird, uh, fraternal, paternal, I don't know what to call it, uh, uh, kinship. Um, when you meet someone that has experienced a uh, similar loss. And I think that does happen for, um, the, these cases when it, or with, uh, in, I mean, in similar cases, but I'd say that in the dead, in the dead daddy club. And I love that it's called that. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Not Um, (laughs) not everyone, not
1: everyone does. I can tell you not everyone does. (laughs) That's so funny. I didn't,
2: I didn't know what it was called, but I'll tell you like, there's a, um, there's a component that uh, there's a DNA component in that club that um, all of us are very fortunate, unfortunate. It depends on if you're an optimist or a realist, I guess. Very unfortunate. Unfortunate that we've all been through uh, uh, perseverance at such a high. I mean, tragedy. I mean, trauma and perseverance at such a high level because a death like that is something that ultimately you have to square up with, and it takes it takes time beyond. It takes time after the grieving process to uh, come forward and come out to come out on the other end is is. Excruciating, excruciatingly hard. Um, And that is no, no small feat. So that's, I believe that perseverance is, it's, you can't like, like passion. You can't, you can't buy it. You know, it's, it's something that's innate.
0: Trey, you you said that you learned production in in many ways by being on this movie. and Now you've become... You've you've really formulated one of the foremost production companies in all of LA. With yo, what was the most unexpected? Oh, I would thing not.
1: I would not call. I, I call would call it one of the I foremost. Would. I would. I would. <laughs> well, you know there. You, you know, uh, uh, is your motto? And I, it, you know, I love I love company mottos because you can always tell when they. Is your motto still? Let's just make cool shit. Yeah, we make cool shit
0: yeah I would say that's a yes anyway, uh what was the most unexpected <laughs> I mean, thing that you learned you know working on this film that really kind of still informs the projects you do today?
2: Well, you know, what was so great about this film was that it was so open it was a very open environment, so what coming in with a eye for learning there was a there was a lot there was a lot to learn and in the best ways, learn what to do. And then also the best ways, learn what not to do. And that's one of the things that comes from being on, I, if my, the, if the first real film set I was truly involved in was some big universal film with a big director, I would, I probably would be a much, much different person. But the fact that this was, you know, and that's one of the things that's beautiful, beautiful about indie film, indie filmmaking and, uh, this film in particular, like most of films, films, there's a large portion of it that is a labor of love and people are trying to come together and be a part of something that's that's bigger than themselves and do something that's greater. And, you know, it's a, it's a large part of filmmaking that was a certainly certainly a part of this film here and that's one of the reasons why I was able to just t- take in a lot.
1: But, you know, I... What's your... What's your uh, well, I gotta ask, what's your... Yeah. What, uh, and I, I hear TikTok in my mm-hmm. head whenever I hear Christopher... Uh, but what was your favorite scene in the movie?
2: Oh man, um, oh, I do love. I I love I love the shot of the end where he's got he's got the bottle, the shades. Uh, coming off the motorcycle, I I love the the shot in the valley. It's just absolutely. Uh, I don't want to say the
1: last. I hate saying like the last. No, shot, no, no, so don't like say the last. shot. no. It is
2: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous,
1: <laughs> and I I love I love every scene that the mayor is in. I thought she was just oh Cheryl's, fan, Cheryl's fantastic. Cheryl's really oh. great. I, I tell people who Cheryl is because in case yeah, don't, so Cheryl. Don't. Cheryl
2: uh, most people recognize her from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. She she plays um, Larry's wife for for at least eight eight of the seasons, but just drop dead funny.
0: And she,
1: and she 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 plays the mayor, and she. I, th- I just thought she was fantastic.
0: How will seeing this movie change the interpretation that a lot of Hunter fans have of his work? What, what will it accentuate? What will it give them that it hasn't had before?
2: Um, I think that this is a different Hunter. It's uh, you know, obviously he's he's a lot younger, and this Hunter has a, I I want to say a little more uh sprying him in the hope department um he also has a little more sprying him in the obviously the the patriot patriotic department but don't watch this thinking it's going to be fear and loathing in las vegas this is it's a this is a different story this is third party this is about different thinking this is about uh, anti-industrialization this is about this is about you know, the people really being in the people having effect on the government and how that can how that can truly happen. That I can I can keep listening. I keep listening, keep listening. But um, at the end of the day, this I'm proud of this film because it's it's truly authentic representation.
1: Well, you should be. You should be. And those of us, those of us who were deeply, deeply concerned about how, how it would come off. What, what I really liked about it was, was first off, to, to echo some of your thoughts, but also it was like uh, sort of the young, dynamic hunter in a lot of ways. And it's like, uh, and also that, that he was the candidate. You know, we used to talk mm-hmm. a lot about, if you're a candidate, and Christopher has been a candidate, if you're, candidates are different. You know the way you will deal with a lawyer, and lawyers are lawyers. I don't care if you're like the number 10 lawyer in a small town, uh, in Midwest, or if if you're the top lawyer in New York. Lawyers are kind of like lawyers together. You know, they kind of have that thing where it's like, uh, but if you were a candidate, if it was your name on the ballot, now he ran for sheriff, and he always always thought, and, and we used to talk about that, that it makes you different. If you've been on the ballot, if you've been the candidate, and, and almost like candidate to candidate, it's weird. It's a weird brotherhood because you could, yeah, I've never
0: and Christopher, I can't believe you were. Yeah, I mean, well, let me, I'll put it this way. I was about your age, Trey, when I started reading Hunter Thompson. So I was in, I was in my okay. late 20s. I was reading it. I was already at that point a pretty decent, seasoned political reporter. I'd, I'd, I'd actually been a political consultant when I was in my early 20s, worked on Senate campaigns. And in my late 20s, I had a big radio show. I was a newspaper columnist, all this different stuff, playing in newsrooms. And then... When I'm in my very early 30s, I run for the Louisiana legislature. Not a huge office. I'm not running Congress, but it's like this, and the sheriff. Not only did my, my political writing change, my reading of Hunter Thompson's writing changed. There's sort of an intrinsic emotional intelligence that comes in from being in the arena that you don't appreciate unless you're a candidate, and I think it makes you a better political writer and a better writer in general when you're talking about these subjects. I know you haven't written before, but you've been around political candidates your whole life and that kind of interpretation does that influence how not only this movie came about but how you view hunter's work
2: that's a that's a fascinating take i'm not gonna lie that's fascinating i huh i have i haven't thought about that before i haven't thought i haven't looked at it through through that window hmm
0: I I so rarely stump people, uh, Curtis. This is such a new thing. I know, what to, I know not what to say. On that note, uh, any final thoughts as we wrap this up?
1: Well, it gives it gives me the thought that that Trey's going to be a returning champion soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to come yeah. back next time. And that, and that and that and and that will be what we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Christopher, you buried. You know what? You buried the lead.
0: That's true. Hmm.
1: Mm. Uh, uh, but with that, Trey, thank you so much for coming on. It was great. It was, thank you for including me in Los Angeles. I had a great time, and I think I, think I might have gone on a bit with Mr. Kennedy about the fact that Hunter's Owl Farm was pretty much a Kennedy safe house for a while. <laughs> and he, really, he, was, he was curious what I meant by that, but I think he knew. And the second thing was uh, since you brought up earlier— uh, I have a great hunter, Lou Reed story that I was part of in New York one night. It is told better okay. than I'll ever tell it on the, on the Wayne Ewing Films. Uh, it's called "The Man Who Said No to Lou Reed." Oh, it was a that was an awful night. Uh, but Lou Reed. <laughs> so with that, <laughs> with that, Christopher, I'll turn it back over to you, Trey. Thank you so much.
0: No, and, really. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you both And Curtis, Trey, thank you f- f- so much Ladies and gentlemen for listening to this Latest edition of Hunter Gatherers The official podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories, we'll be back next week With another edition here For our 2022 season Our, our champion of Fear and Loathing 22 And the 50th anniversary of this most Famous of books and Hunter's political writing Thank you much And we'll see you next week